And we are in week three of the month of July. Um, before we get into the message, I would like for us to do our pre-word declaration that we do before the message. So repeat these words. Everybody with me, if you can, say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. Say, the more I give life, the more I'll receive. The more I live life, the more I'll believe. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so we're getting to the bread of life today. Uh, our series is called Find Freedom for the month of July. We're talking all about freedom and what it is and how to find it and also how to keep it, how to maintain it in your life. Uh, we, the first week, we talked about, it was 4th of July, so it was a good time to talk about freedom that comes from human beings versus freedom that comes from God. Um, freedom that's uh, legislated by, by government or society or, or anything human is only partial. The only absolute freedom, the only freedom that is ultimate and thorough and eternal is freedom that comes from God. And when I, I want to be specific because Scripture says the only thing that can truly enslave us is sin. Sin is what makes us slaves. And the only thing that has the power to break the chains of sin in our lives is the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. So God is the only person who can give us ultimate and eternal freedom. So that was first week. Second week was called the fine print of freedom. And we talked about how regardless of what freedom that you are experiencing, you are actually under a master. There is no freedom that is void of a master. You cannot negate having a master in your life. We do not have a choice of whether or not there is a master in our lives. Our only choice is who that master is. So when you are liberated from sin, then you are now under the master of Jesus. When you are liberated from righteousness and godliness, you are now under the master of Satan. And the question is, which master do you want to be under? I highly recommend being under master who is Jesus because he is a kind master. He is a master that produces freedom and liberty in your life. He gives you authority. He gives you healing. He gives you restoration. He gives you refreshment. He gives you uh, family, and he gives you eternity. He gives you eternity with him. He is the best master. He's, he is the the master of masters. He is so kind, and I, I love being under his authority, even though uh, there are times where he asks me to do things that I don't want to do. Um, he often uh, leads us in ways that are contrary to how we would do it, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Anyone who, who is under the master of Jesus today can testify that it is worth it submitting to the will of Jesus. So this week I want to talk about, uh, well, I was looking at the definition of freedom, and I found a lot of different definitions, but the one that stuck out, it had a phrase, there's a clause that said, uh, to live without restraint or hindrance, and that stuck out to me. So the title of the message today is A Life Without Hindrance. There is a life without hindrance that actually belongs to you. And when I say hindrance, I specifically mean hindrance from living a purposeful life, 
a life that matches who God, um, what God had in mind when he created you. Uh, All of us have infinite value inside of us. All of us have so much value deposited in us. But because of hindrances, um, we sometimes miss out, oftentimes more than I wish to admit, people in our world, we, we, we fall short of realizing the promise and the potential that our lives could have had because of these things called hindrances. Hindrances like addiction, hindrance like bitterness, hindrances like uh, fear, hindrances like uh, rebellion, and all types of mental complexes that we have and mindsets that, that seem to keep us stuck. And I believe that it is God's will that we Uh, live a life without these hindrances. And not only is it God's will, but he has actually given us detailed instructions on how to live a life free of these hindrances. So I want to talk about it. And the the story that I want to use to kind of set the stage is a story that's found in Genesis. And it's a story, uh, it's called the Tower of Babel. And it's about people who... um, we're working together in perfect unity, and the scripture shows that because they were working together, they were able to do all that they wanted to do without any hindrances. So I wanted to read this because it's going to give us some insight on how God wants us to live a life without hindrance. So Genesis chapter 11, 1 through 7, I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version. It says, now the whole earth had one language And the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone uh, and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top. In the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Verse 6 And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing, check this, nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And I'm starting off with this message because it reveals a very important truth that I think is going to bring a lot of liberation to our lives if we take heed. We see God say that because these people are working together in perfect unity, nothing will be impossible for them. This project they were working on happened to be something that God didn't want to happen. But he said, men, they are working together in unity. They have one language. They are working in perfect unison, and therefore nothing will be impossible for them. So in order for me to stop them, I have to add a hindrance to them. I had to bring a hindrance to their operation. And the hindrance was to isolate them and to separate them to where they were all talking differently and they weren't able to connect and understand each other. So therefore, because they were not working together anymore, the plan was aborted and they had a new hindrance because 
uh, a hindrance that, were keep, that was keeping them from setting out to do what they purpose to do. So I want us to see this as insight that if human beings learn to work together in unity, like this scripture says, nothing will be impossible for us. Unity is when multiple parts work as one. Unity is when multiple parts work as one. And the scripture shows that unity means there are no hindrances to what we set out to do. So unity is freedom. To live a life without hindrance is to work together. To live a life without hindrance is to work together in unity. There are things that we can accomplish together that we cannot accomplish by ourselves. There are hindrances that I have by myself that I would not have if I were to ask for help. There are hindrances that I would have right now for my life that I would not have if I only learned to work together with you guys. We see this in music. There are things that a single, doesn't matter how great a musician is, there are things that a single musician cannot accomplish without the rest of the musicians with him. The sound of a band, the sound of an orchestra cannot be accomplished with one person. We see this with sports. It doesn't matter how talented an athlete is. There are things and there are hindrances that a one athlete has that he would not have if he worked with a team. We see this in business. No matter how savvy a business person is, one business person cannot accomplish what a company can accomplish. There are things and liberties that are only afforded to those who work together. It's not a scripture, but it's true, and the statement is teamwork makes the dream work. When we work together, we see from the Tower of Babel, God himself said, since they have one language and they are perfectly unified, nothing will be impossible for them. And that's kind of what I'm talking about for our lives. I believe that God wants us to live a life where we are free to be all that he says that we are, and to do all that he has said that we can do. And if you read scripture, he says that we're a lot. He's, he thinks very much of us. He's, he calls us things that still blow our minds when we think about that he's saying that we're this. And then he calls us to do things that are way beyond what we believe that we can do because we're so used to hindrances. But the Lord's saying, if you would hold out and believe, I will show you how to remove these hindrances from your life and be able to achieve and to become all that I say that you are. So I want to talk about some freedoms that come when we work together. I want to talk about some freedoms that are reserved for when we work together. I believe there are God-given freedoms that only come in context to the collective. I believe that we can only do so much by ourselves. I believe that we can only do so much on our own. But when we work as a collective, it opens the doors to things that we would not have if we were by ourselves, if we were separated, if we were isolated. The first one is a very foundational freedom, and that is freedom from death. Freedom from death, which is another word for that, is salvation. Freedom from eternal damnation, freedom from sin, this is what we call salvation. And yes, Jesus is who saves us. The blood of Jesus is what liberates us from sin. He's the one who forgives at the same time, he has designed the salvation plan where we actually need each other to even experience the most basic freedom called salvation. Let me explain. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 
through 17. I love this passage. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has not heard from us? Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. I'm going to make a bold statement that every single person in here who professes Christ, you were not saved until you heard the message of Jesus. And that message of Jesus, I would want to bet money that that was spoken by a person. That message of Jesus came from somebody choosing to share the gospel. It could have been a parent. It could have been a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was a voice on the radio. Maybe it was someone on TV. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe it was a fellow student. But someone shared the message of the gospel. Every single person here had to hear the message of the gospel to make the choice to choose Jesus. So even something as basic as salvation cannot be experienced unless people are involved. Other people must be involved. This is a team effort. And again, this is not any disrespect to Jesus because I'm endorsing the very thing that he designed. Jesus designed the kingdom of God where it would be spread via the people in this room. And just like everybody else needed to hear the gospel from someone else to be saved today, there are people outside of these walls who are depending on you choosing to finally speak the good news of the gospel so that they can hear and they can believe and they can be saved. So that's the most foundational freedom that still requires other people. And then, the, I mean, for those of you who, I don't know, like to argue, the voices that come where like someone said, okay, well, what about people that had a dream of Jesus and no one preached to them? I actually believe that those dreams only happen because saints are interceding and praying. I believe that it's when we intercede that the people who are in the Middle East are getting visions and dreams of Jesus. Even those dreams that don't require a person still, I believe, require the praying of the prayers of the saints. So I don't think there's any way that we can negate our role in this salvation plan. So that's the first thing I want to cover, that freedom from death, which is salvation, comes via the collective, via other people being involved in our story. I don't think any of us can say that there is no human being that we uh, should be grateful for, for our salvation. I don't think there's anybody that can say that there was nobody involved on you coming to Jesus. Somebody dared to speak to you. Someone dared to open their mouth and share the good news. So we need each other even on the most basic level called salvation. The second freedom I want to talk about is freedom from oppression. Freedom of oppression involves each other. There's two oppressions that I want to talk about, and one is physical and one is spiritual, and both are covered in this passage in James chapter 5. 
James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 says, Is anyone among you suffering? It's a question. Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing in praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray for him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. The prayer of a righteous what? Person. Sometimes I've seen, and I get why, but we really try to live lives for God and negate involvement with people. I see it happen. We are so determined to make a personless journey with Jesus successful. And it, it doesn't say the prayer of a praying of, of, of an angel or the prayer of the Holy Spirit. It says the prayer of a person. Guys, people are involved in our story. They are involved in our success. They are involved in our freedom. The Bible says if you're sick, call the elders. Leaders in the church, let them lay hands on you, and that's how healing can be administered. And I, I feel like I have to clarify this because I, I can sense the mindset sometimes in the room, and that is, well, God has the power. God has the power to heal. We don't. And I hear that happen a lot. I hear that talked a lot. And, and I think we think we're honoring God, but guys, you can't honor God by dishonoring the system that he designed. We try to honor God by dishonoring his ideas. It's his idea that his power is given to people, and people impart his power to other people. But in our efforts of being humble and righteous, we go, well, no, God, God, God has the power. Yes, he does, but it's his idea to give the power to the elders and for the elders to lay hands on you and you to be healed. So my point is, guys, we cannot negate the need for each other. Let's stop fighting our need for one another because we are actually the key to a life without hindrance. So let me talk about the second level of oppression, and that is spiritual oppression. Oppression that comes from having sin in your life, in particularly unconfessed sin. Again. For all of the ones who are like, well, God, it's just God, not people. God, not people. Yes, God is the only one who can forgive you of your sin. I don't have the power to forgive you of your sin. But though God is the only one who forgives, he has designed this for you to be healed of your sin by confessing to other people. Yes, I hear you. I hear the thoughts in your head. You do not have to confess your sin to other people to be forgiven. But the scripture shows that you need to confess your sins to others to be healed. There's a difference between forgiveness and healing. 
there are a lot of people who are forgiven who are still carrying the wounds and the woes of the sins they have been forgiven from. You will have a seat in heaven, but you will live the rest of your life wounded and limited and with hindrances unable to truly enjoy your forgiveness. There are people in this room who are forgiven and are not enjoying their forgiveness because they're still not healed because they still keep their mouths closed and choose not to speak about the sin in their life with someone else. Again, we do not confess our sins to each other to be forgiven. We confess our sins to each other to be healed. And I've got three points to, 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 to support this. First of all, confessing sin is not meant to embarrass you. It's meant to heal you. Confessing sin is not meant to embarrass you. It's meant to heal you. I have three subpoints about confessing sins to one another. Because this is how much I believe in it. First of all, this is how I'm free today. I was forgiven years ago, but the freedom didn't begin to manifest in my life. So I finally told somebody the stuff that I had done. And when I realized the freedom that came with that, I wanted to tell others and what happens is you realize there's a liberation. I want to talk about the liberation. There's, it's all on purpose, guys, and it's all God's idea. It's all his idea. He's so good for us. He's so good to us. First one is confessing sin to others brings sin into the light voluntarily. Okay, I got to give a backstory first of all when I talk about light. And I don't want to assume that people know what I'm talking about. Sin is an act of darkness. The Bible says that sin is an act of darkness. And the only thing that can conquer darkness is what? Light is the only thing that can dispel darkness. So when you have sin in your life, you have darkness in your life. There is darkness that is actively working in your life if there is sin in your life. And the power of confession, confession represents light. Every time you confess something, it brings light to the situation. So the reason why it's powerful to confess your sin is that is, your, that is God's way of letting you bring light to the dark places in your life. When you confess, that is light being shown on the dark areas of your life. And the reason why I put the word voluntarily is because this next scripture right here. Are y'all still good? Are y'all with me? Luke chapter 8, verse 17. This is what Jesus says. He says, for nothing hidden, sorry, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Some of you guys might get nervous about this scripture. But if Jesus says it, it's true. He says that anything that is secret, there is nothing that is secret that will not be made known and come to the light. The reason why I say that confession is a chance to bring things to the light voluntarily, I know this firsthand. When you confess and bring things to the light voluntarily, it is so much better than it coming out involuntarily. Confessing something is way better than getting caught. And some of y'all know that firsthand. <laughs> when you confess and bring things to the light voluntarily, 
It is so much better because the alternative is it comes out involuntarily. It comes out in ways that you didn't expect it to come out. It comes out in ways that damage you and damage others. It comes out in ways that are uh, people who project are people who are, their sins are coming out involuntarily. They've got sin and darkness pent up inside of them, and it ends up coming out in ways that they don't want it to come out. They end up biting people's heads off who did nothing to them. And they end up passive-aggressive people. That is involuntarily darkness coming out. That's, that's darkness coming out involuntarily. You don't have the, the tools to actually confess the, the struggles in your life voluntarily. So it ends up coming out in passive ways. And it ends up very damaging to the person and very damaging to the people that they're around. It's so much better, guys, to confess sin and bring things into the light voluntarily. It's cleaner and it's just better. It's God's way. It's God's way. So again, and, uh, <laughs> another thing too is it's going to come out either way. Jesus says it's going to come out. Your sins are going to come out. You might as well let them come out voluntarily. You might as well say, this is what I'm going through. This is what I've been through. This is what I'm doing. This is what is active in my life. These are the struggles that are happening in my life. And find safe people to do this with. Because then it won't come out in involuntarily, un involuntary ways. Number two, confessing sin to others eradicates condemnation. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I've learned, again, firsthand, that when sins are secret, it empowers and makes it a lot easier for the devil to condemn you. As long as sins are hidden in your life and secret, it gives, it's the perfect festing grounds and breeding grounds for condemnation. We create environments that are uh, very comfortable for the devil when we have unconfessed sins in our lives. And it's easier for him to lie to you. It's easier for him to condemn you. It's easier for him to hang it over your head. It's easy for him to keep you in a shell. But I've learned, again, firsthand, that when you confess sins and bring it to the light, you are able to experience that condemnation was not on the other side of your confession. You were able to realize that there was mercy waiting for you. There was grace waiting for you. There was restoration waiting for you. And the enemy always wants you to think, don't confess it because you'll be condemned when it's actually the opposite. He's a liar. Not confessing it is what makes you more condemned than confessing it. When you confess it, you realize what the prodigal son realized. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 21 through 24. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Guys, celebration. A celebration was on the other end of this guy's confession. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The enemy has deceived us to think that we are going to receive condemnation at our confession when actually there's going to be a celebration. A celebration that you have, you, you can finally be healed. 
that the light has come, that darkness has been conquered. Every time someone confesses something to me, I'm like, first of all, I'm so happy. And the reason why I'm happy is because I know that the darkness that was active in your life before you said something. So I'm happy that now you, you can now be healed. Because I know the power, again, firsthand, of confessing sins to each other. God has mercy on the other end of your confession. And not only that, but you experience the love of others. More than likely, the person that you're confessing to will say, I did the same thing once. And then you realize that you're not the only one. All of these things don't happen if you're quiet. None of these things can happen if you don't share. You realize that you're, we're not alone. You realize you're not the, the, the uh, token center of the bunch. You realize that you're not this isolated, bad person that that's just doesn't belong here. And if anyone finds out, I'll get kicked out of this place. There's been so many times that people confess things to me. And, and my reaction to them was, I was like, let's spend more time to get with each other. Let's, let's get food more. And they're like, uh, one person, a few people have actually said I thought I was going to get kicked out if I told you. Kicked out of this church. And I was like, you thought what? And I'm like, and, and, and that's, that was a reality as long as they were quiet. But when they said it, they realized that not only were they not kicked out, but I'm spending more time with them. They're coming over. We're having meals. And, 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 and the love is being poured on even more. It's the opposite, guys. Don't let the devil uh, keep you in darkness. And realize that the only way to come to the light in this context is by shining light into it by talking about it. Again, we're, we're aiming for a life without hindrance. I'm telling you guys, there are hindrances that are active in our lives that are robbing us from the full promise of God. And one of the areas is, is isolating when we should be gathering. Isolating when we should be connecting hand in hand. Third thing, confessing sins to each other keeps the lights on in your life. Again, guys, we can't, we need to stop helping the devil. The devil is bad enough. He's on our tail enough. Let's not help him. Let's not make up his bed and prepare a room for him in our lives. We're supposed to be fighting the devil, not being hospitable to him. Every time we're in darkness, we are being hospitable to the devil. Every time that we keep our sins in the darkness, we are basically making a bed for him and setting out flowers going, here, devil, make yourself at home. We have to make a point to, guys, we have to make a point to where I want to make my life as uncomfortable for Satan as possible. I want to make my life a place where he does not want to lay hands, lay his hand, head on, on a pillow. I don't want a life where I am making it comfortable for Satan to wreak havoc in my life. And the way that you make it uncomfortable is keep the light on. Satan is like cockroaches. When the lights come on, they run away. They like doing their work in the dark. But the minute you turn the light on, they scramble. They're like, dang it, we can't continue what we were doing when the lights were off. And the way you keep the light on in your life is to continue talking to others, confessing the areas that are struggles in your life. Because it keeps the light on it and it keeps the enemy from being able to do all that he wants to do. John chapter, 1 John, sorry, 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. 
First John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Guys, even our cleansing is dependent on the environment that we create for our lives. That's why so few of us can stay free. Because we'll have moments of vulnerability. We'll have moments where we lay it all out, but then the enemy will deceive us and we'll retract and we'll go back to being isolated. And the lights get turned off and we wonder why the very demons that were cast out of our lives are back and active. I see it happen so often. It's happened even in my own life. If you want to make your life an uncomfortable place for the devil, keep the light on. And the way you keep the light on is not just by praying and fasting. It's involving each other. I don't want us to get so spiritual that we negate the practicality of God. God is supernatural, but he's also practical. And yes, he is the creator of the universe, and he created the heavens and the earth, but he also designed us to live in community with each other. Please don't be so spiritual that you negate what the God that you serve has designed. And that is for us to live in connection with each other. The last freedom that I want to cover is freedom from stagnancy. Stagnancy. Being stuck. Being dull. Being ineffective. Guys, to me, there are very few things less tragic than, than putting in labor and working and, and not getting anywhere. That's frustrating. That's the stuff that makes you want to quit. I've heard so often, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've done this, I've served, I've done all these things, and nothing seems to be happening. And I believe that God sees your stagnancy and actually knows how to deliver you from that. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Let's read that again. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Men sharpen men. People sharpen people. Again, guys, we can't be more spiritual than Jesus. God sharpens me. Oh, I'm Holy Spirit, he sharpens me. The angels sharpen me. <laughs> Jesus sharpens me. People sharpen you. Guys, let's not be more spiritual than God. If God says people sharpen each other, then let a person sharpen you. Don't create your own plan trying to be godly. You're just defeating the purpose. You're just going to be hitting your head against a brick wall. Jesus has designed it for human beings to need each other. There's the friction that comes, that sharpens. Being around someone with a different personality than you. Being someone who grew up differently than you. Being someone who's more talkative than you. Being someone who's more quiet than you. People. And let me clarify, other people who want to be sharpened. 
you don't have to talk to someone too long to know if they are really in this to be sharpened or if they're just messing around. If you've got people in your life, I'm not saying be mean to them, I'm not saying condemn them, but if you can tell there is not an effort and a desire to be sharpened, then don't rub against them. You've got to rub up against and be close with fellow people who you can tell from the way they talk and the way they live that that is their desire to grow in Christ. It's their desire to become more effective in Christ. The settlers who just want to park it, you might produce something else if you (laughs) rub up against that. Find people who are hungry. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It takes someone else. I mean, that's, again, this is my story, guys. Guys, Australia was great. But what I don't say is after Australia, for those who don't know, I had a big encounter in Australia. And that's what kind of set me on the path of following Jesus. And when I came back, I was back for like a full year. um, And I wasn't being sharpened. Why? Not because Jesus didn't touch my life, not because I didn't have an encounter, not because I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, but I was isolated. Too busy trying to compare my life to Australia. I wish I was just back in Australia. I wish I had my friends back in Australia. And God had to say, Alvin, I'm here. I have people for you here. And things didn't really start to change pretty much from 2009 when I, I got back 2010, end of 2009. Pretty much all 2010 was pretty uh, dull for me. Sometimes the story sounds like Australia just kind of made the launch. I want you guys to know there was a gap year. I had a gap year with Jesus, essentially. <laughs> I, 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 I was on fire, and I came back, and the Holy Spirit didn't leave me. God didn't leave me, but I no longer had other men in my life doing this like I had in Australia. And I said, God, give me some people that I can do this with. And then the guy in the sound booth, Trey. And before I knew it, then there was Dewan. And then there was Marcus. And then there was Jesse Hale. And then there was Tyler. And there was all this. And now all of a sudden, I was growing again. Not because God just decided to love me, but because I gave myself to people who could do this. And all of a sudden, I was effective again, not because God just decided to show up. People showed up. Guys, don't be more spiritual than God. If God says people have to be in your life for you to get sharpened, then let people in your life. And give yourself to the process. I I told them all types of things. Call Trey. You need to know this stuff about me. I did this. I did that. I called DeWan. I did all this stuff. I did this. I did this. I did this. I laid it out. Why? Because I wanted to be sharp. You're not going to do that stuff if you're not serious about being sharp. You're going to say forget about it. If you don't sincerely want to grow and be more effective, you're not going to do any of this stuff. It takes too much desire. It takes too much humility to actually give yourself to the vulnerability that comes with people being in your life. If there's not a hunger there... It's not happening. It's worth it, though. For what it counts, I'm someone who has given myself to the process of what I'm reading, and I'm still doing it. You don't stop. (laughs) The minute you stop, you'll have that gap year that I had 
in 2010 where there was very little to no fruit in my life, good fruit in my life. But when I prayed and I gave myself, the Lord was gracious. The Lord will send you people. Look around. I bet you most of them are in this room that God has sent. But you got to want it. You got to give yourself to it. When we open up groups, you got to actually block out time in your schedule. You will not end up on group by accident. You will not just fall into life group conveniently. If y'all know how busy we are these days, and half of the busyness is just watching Instagram in your car. We're not that busy, but society has pretty much convinced us all we're busy. If you don't make a point to give yourself to the relationships of fellow iron, you, it won't happen in your life. And you will continue to be hindered. You will continue to be hindered. Not from heaven, but hindered from the fullness of God. The full, the hind, you'll be hindered from uh, realizing the promises. Guys, I remember one time Brandon gave our whole life group that book of promises in the Bible. Yeah, it's, it was this thick, small print of promises that belong to believers. Guys, there is, a, there is content this thick of small print of promises that you could be experiencing today. But we have hindrances that are in our lives, and we don't do what it takes to remove the hindrances. So this is a very interesting call because it's, it's really a call for those who want to grow. Notice I didn't say that you need any of this stuff to be forgiven of your sins. But it ends up being kind of a catch-22 because when you're not healed, <laughs> this is how the cycle happens. This is how forgiven people can still end up back to living unforgiven lives as if the way we live. Like we, we live like we're not forgiven. We, we're, we, when, you don't, when you're forgiven and not healed, then the power and the works of that sin uh, resurrect in your life. And you're back in sin and you're back in condemnation. And even though the Lord forgave you, you are under the belief that you're not forgiven anymore. And then it just continues to manifest. And you become not only the way you were, but Scripture says you become worse than the way you were. So it's a cycle, guys. I'm telling you, it's a trap. It's a trap that the Lord wants to release us from. It's a snare. Isolation is a snare. And nothing changes until you break free of that and say, you and me, we got to talk. When can we do it? We got to talk. I got I to gotta share. I got to confess. I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta lean on you. I got I to gotta glean from you. I got to, and then they'll go, cool, let me do the same back. And it's just, it's God's way. Does this make sense? A lot of you guys have experienced this. Some of you guys have um, not maintained it. Some of you guys have experienced it, but, and honestly, like, I'm not, there's, 2020 really did throw a lot of people off their tracks. It really did break a lot of the rhythms that we've had, and, and it's understandable, but, guys, it's 2021. We kind of, we can't, we can't, we just can't still, we can't just still hold on to, well, yeah, I just got knocked off. Well, yeah, you, 
This is a message to get you back on the train. To get you back on the train. I would like for us to, to pray because uh, people here need to be free from death. There are people here who need to be saved. There are people here who need to give their lives to Jesus. So I want you to make sure that as a fellow human being, I want to share the message of the gospel that God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his only son, who was the only person who could atone for your sins, who could, who could wash away your sins, who could break the power of, of the sins in your life. And Jesus came, that's his name, he came and he, and he died on the cross and he shed his blood and that blood had this power that the Bible says to, 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 it was a cleansing agent. This blood was a cleansing agent that could wash away the, the dirt and the grime in your life. And he died on the cross. And then three days later he was raised from the dead, which proved that his sacrifice was acceptable to God. And he conquered death and he conquered sin. And now the, 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 the deal is any single person who believes in his name will experience the same freedom over sin and death that Jesus has. You can have that right now. Freedom from death, freedom from sin. You've heard the message. You have heard the good news that you no longer have to be bound by sin. You no longer have to have this hindrance of death in your life. And you can live forever. Freedom from death. Freedom from oppression. At the very end, I'm going to invite anyone to come down for prayer. We're going to have leaders who have been appointed by us to be up front. And they're going to pray. So if, you're, if you have a sickness in your body, trust the word of God and come down. And yes, it is the power of God, but it's the power of God given to his people for them to lay hands and impart to you. It's supernatural, but it's true. Every service, we invite people, come down to the altar, whatever you need. If you have sickness in your body, we do that because of that scripture. That's not just some idea that we have. We do that because the scripture says, if you're sick, let, let, let the elders, let the leaders, let, let, let those who were appointed come and pray for you. We'll pray the prayer of faith, and we'll believe for the best, which is healing. We'll believe for it. The third thing, oh, yeah, and also the other thing is uh, confessing sin. Now, our, you know, our groups aren't happening right now, so I will volunteer our, um, for those of you who, if you know people already that you want to confess things to, a friend, guys, I recommend talking to another guy. Girls, I recommend talking to another woman. And confess some things that have been on your chest, sin that's been in your life, so you can be healed of that thing. If you have those contacts already, great. If not, go to NashvilleLifeChurch.com and reach out to any of our staff. Any of our staff would be happy to meet with you. We'd be happy to get on the phone with you, meet with you in person, and just hear what you got to say. We're going to start life groups in about a month. But in the meantime, we're here for you. There's, there's no reason to, to live in isolation anymore. It's me, it's Marion, it's Joel, it's Brandon. You know, we, we, got, we got Lucy, we got my parents. We've got a team. We got a team for you. We'll be happy to support you. You're going to realize that condemnation was not on the other side of that confession. 
but love, acceptance, healing, and even a celebration. Don't let the devil isolate you, keep you isolated anymore. And then last thing is stagnancy. If you've been a sharp knife before, but now you're dull, and you put all this force to cut things and nothing's cutting, and you're putting forth your effort but nothing is producing, you probably need to be sharpened. Find people in this community, Nashville Life, that will sharpen you, that will tell you things that you might not want to hear, but that will also encourage you and challenge you. Find those contacts in your life. Be diligent about it. And if you can't find anyone, let us know and we'll connect you. We literally have someone on staff that, that connects people for life groups. They'll find someone in our database that we trust, that we say, hey, this person is going to be a great person to help sharpen you. They're going to be a great friend. They're loyal. They're reliable. They won't tell your business to other people. We've been a church for nine years. We know by now who's proven and who's not. You can trust us. We will connect you with safe people that will help you to get sharp and get that, get that, get that move back, get that, get that motion back in your life. The Lord has provided everything we need to live a life without hindrance. Now the choice is up to you to receive that help, to receive that provision. We are a church. We are here for you. God is here, and he has created this, this beautiful community called Nashville Life to remove the hindrances from people's lives by living together, by working together. So I'm going to ask us all to stand up, and I'm going to pray, Father, I thank you for freedom. I thank you for removing hindrances from our lives that have kept us um, in sin that has kept us oppressed and that has kept us stagnant. Lord, I pray for every single person that fits either of these categories. Maybe there's someone who's been forgiven, but they're still not healed. Maybe there's someone who's been healed, but they're still stagnant. They're stuck in a certain area. Maybe there's someone who doesn't even believe in you right now. No matter what category we're in, Lord, we see in your word that you have designed for each other to be involved, to help remove the barriers and set us free. So I pray in the name of Jesus that the people listening would take heed and not just hear, but do. Lord, this is a call to action. I pray, Lord, that this message would not just be a sermon, but a call to action to reach out to other people. I know that's so different because we're used to just reaching out to you, and that's good. But, Lord, now you're telling us to reach out to someone else, to encourage us, to pray for us, to listen to us, to sharpen us. We thank you for the church. We thank you for providing us with a family of people who, yes, are not perfect, but love you. Lord, and you can do a lot with people who love you. You can do amazing things. You've done amazing things for centuries from imperfect people who love you. And that's what we are, God. So we thank you again, and I pray again that these people would be motivated to action so that the hindrances from their lives can be removed.
and nothing that we set out to do will be impossible for us because we work together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to receive Jesus, if you heard the message that I preached today, like Romans 10 says, and you heard the message, and now you can believe, repeat this prayer after me. Everybody, let's say it together. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's celebrate salvation. Hey, do me a favor and just look to somebody else and say, I love you. Look to somebody else and say, I love you. Look to someone else and say, I need you. That might be uncomfortable for some of you, but say, I need you. Look to somebody else and say, I need you. Some of y'all aren't doing it. Come on. Look to someone and say, I'm depending on you. I'm counting on you. Look to someone else and say, you can count on me. Look to someone else and say, you can count on me. We are together, guys. We are in this together. If you said yes to Jesus, let us know. I know God knows that you said yes to Jesus, but texting yes to Jesus lets another person know, which is important. So text yes to Jesus. If you said yes to him for the first time, you're ready to follow him. All we're going to do is reply with some information. It's like a one-page PDF that has great information to help you get started, give you scripture on how to get started with Jesus. If you would like prayer, we have people that we've appointed. Your senior leadership has appointed people to come. Come and get in position, guys, whoever's praying today. And they are ready to pray for you. If you have a sickness in your body, if you have an ailment, whatever's going on, come and we'll pray the prayer of faith over you and we'll believe for healing. We invite you once we dismiss. If you have a prayer request, let us know there's a group of people who are committed to pray for the request. They pray whatever, if you go to the website and send your, send your request in via uh, the website, they pray for it. There's a whole team of people, about 20, 25 people that pray for all of these things every week. So let us know, and it's confidential. We won't, we won't tell people, you can, you can share whatever and we'll pray for you. Um, if you would like to get more connected to the church, you can text BELONG to the same number that we have, 77411. We have a connect booth that can give you information of things happening. And then the best way to connect, the best way to connect is come to Next Steps. We start right after I dismiss. I'm teaching today Next Steps class. It's not long, but it gives you uh, insight on the vision of our church and what we're about. We would love for you to do life with us. We would love for you to be together with us so that we can grow and go forward, right? I'm gonna pray a uh, prayer of dismissal. Uh, after we dismiss, you can uh, give your offering as well. 
or your tithe, if you want to give check or, or cash, we've got the finance team in the middle, and they will be happy to serve you. Uh, if, you didn't, if you didn't give online and you want to give a physical offering, we got you in the middle aisle. So please give, and uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you again for your presence. I thank you so much for the counsel of your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are opening our eyes to the individuals to our left and to our right and in front of us and behind us. And I pray, Lord, that we would utilize this community. I pray, Lord, that we would utilize the people that you have placed in our lives so that we can live a life without hindrance. Lord, bind us together, Lord. Help us to get closer with each other. Lord, make us friends and family, Lord, as we reach out. And I know that great things are going to happen because of it, because it's in your word that we walk together as one. So I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. I love you, God. Let's all say amen. Amen. Have a good day, y'all. Love you.